Jared, I'll do it. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, hello again, everyone. Hope everyone is staying safe here during uh, this obviously very eventful offseason outside of football news. And even the football rumor mill is swirling. So that's why we're having another episode of the 49ers Here's the Catch podcast during what is supposed to be the dead period of the offseason. But it's been anything but dead when it comes to rumors. Matt Tom Brady, 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now Kirk Cousins' name is in the mix. Uh, I mean, you name the quarterback. Uh, <laughs> there seems to be uh, some minor section of the 49ers fan base that's itching to get that guy instead of the current guy. Obviously, uh, it, that's very, very unlikely to happen. 49ers have you know, doubled down on Jimmy Garoppolo, at least through their statements at the NFL Combine and prior to that, right before the season. But that won't stop these rumors from circulating until free agency actually starts next week and until Tom Brady actually signs with a team not named the 49ers. Yeah, a lot of people are asking, why don't the 49ers just come out and, and squash these uh, these Tom Brady rumors? I mean, that to them is, is evidence that these rumors have legs. The issue is that they did, basically, at the, at the scouting combine. But then the, the Tom Brady stuff took on new life uh, after that, and, and the 49ers haven't commented after that, their, their take is that we, we can't comment every time there's a, a Twitter rumor or else we'd be in front of a microphone uh, nonstop. And they are sort of behind the eight ball as far as, you know, catching up your usual workload, you know, playing into February means that they were behind on sort of uh, watching free agents, uh, getting up to speed on the draft, all of that stuff. So there have been some fairly strong statements from them. I think John Lynch's at the Combine was the strongest. And he said basically that Jimmy Garoppolo is our guy moving forward. He's our guy. It doesn't get much stronger than that in this day and age. But boy, I think that uh, the Twitter age plus the fact that this is such a slow period has given a little bit of, of fuel to that. And I'll ask Dennis, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? And are you being asked about Tom Brady wherever you go, Dennis? The rumors are out there. If you, you listen to all the talk radio and television, that's it's the number one topic. Tom Brady, you're going to switch Tom Brady for Jimmy Garoppolo, a swap with the Patriots. And, you know, how quickly, you know, we forget, you know, what got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And I think it was... It was a huge play. It was a defense, but it was a huge part. It was it was Jimmy Garoppolo, and and because of the Super Bowl now, it feels like people have lost faith in him, and and they love to say that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch has has lost all faith in Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think they've shown, they've said it in many statements that that he's the guy, and and I believe he is the guy, and and I think he's a key. He's one of the big keys to this offense, and. You know, not even talk about the financial part, but I don't see where the rumor even started. You know, it goes back to when he got drafted and the 49ers didn't draft him and the, how he was a 49er fan and going to high school in San Mateo and all that stuff. It seems like it got legs right after the Super Bowl or right after Tom Brady decided that, you know, he was going to be a free agent. So I just don't see how this rumor got got such strong legs and it's carried on so much. But like you said, we both you said, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that the organization has said that they're they're good with. I think they'll get some more guys around him again next season. 
keep that defense together. I think the biggest question is, you know, how are you going to keep these guys together? And and that's yeah. going to be the big question right there. You know, it's wild to me. You just consider some of the dominoes that could have gone the other way in the Super Bowl. So say the 49ers make that stop on third and 15 against Patrick Mahomes or say that the Chiefs are called for holding against Nick Bosa on that play, which is uh, something I know a lot of 49ers fans wanted. Or say that, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo does hit that pass to Emmanuel Sanders. But but you could even look at things that were outside of his control, like that third and 15. If that one play goes another way, Jimmy Garoppolo almost certainly, I think, wins Super Bowl MVP. And these rumors just don't exist right now. And that's, I think, a good way to gauge the validity of a rumor. If you can go back and look at one little thing that could have changed that's not even up to the guy's control that would have completely changed this narrative, I think that rumor is is based on you know, something pretty flimsy. And that's why it's so important to not just look at outcomes, not just say, oh, they blew a lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. This guy uh, must not be a good quarterback, but rather look at the big picture. This guy helped lead you to the Super Bowl. This guy was on track to possibly win Super Bowl MVP at the end of the third quarter. And when you look at the big, larger mosaic and all the you know data that is more objective, like some of these stats, and then you look at the film and combine that all with what the 49ers are saying, I think it's, I think it's a slam dunk, Matt. I think that the 49ers are just being quiet because of what you said. They don't want to have to set the precedent of addressing every flimsy little detail on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I, I got one in my mailbag, someone saying, why aren't you writing more about Weston Richburg? He's going to be out for the first half of the of the season. <laughs> I said, wait, what? I, yeah, I don't where'd know that about come that. From? <laughs> where did that come from? And so I, I had to sort of scramble and, and ask a, a couple of questions. Well, no, Weston Richburg didn't tear an ACL. He's going to be back maybe for, for OTAs in worst case scenario he'll come back for the beginning of, of training camp. But it just kind of goes to show you, I don't know where some of these things originate. And um, it's over and over again. And, and it you know, tends to happen during these, these dry periods where there's nothing to talk about. So you sort of, people invent things and uh, they take on a life of their own. But, you know, Dennis was sort of hinting at something. And, and I think it's a, a really good topic to talk about. And, and that's what's going to happen in free agency next week. Everything is sort of uh, waiting for the collective bargaining agreement to be voted on. And uh, once that gets done, we're going to have, you know, wham, bam, it's going to be free agency at that point. And it's hard to see them hanging on to everybody, and especially along the defensive line. The people that I talk to are very skeptical, despite the 49ers' insistence that they're trying to hold on to Eric Armstead, whether they can actually do that. And the franchise tag gets the, the deadline for... Placing a franchise tag on somebody like Eric Armstead is on Monday. So all of this is going to come all at once, and the 49ers have to make a decision. Do we put a franchise tag on Eric Armstead? And then what do we do after that? Do we continue to try to negotiate a long-term deal? Do we do a tag and trade? Do we just do the one-year $19.3 million? That's a lot of money when you only have $13 million in salary cap space for 2020. So it's a it's a huge question. I think it's the biggest one, the biggest immediate question for this team, and it's something that they're going to have to address within the next week. Yeah, and we've talked about Eric Armstead. I mean, you talk about a kid that's just kind of improved his stock this whole football season. I mean, he was a guy that everyone was super surprised 
that the 49ers kind of extended him for this season. And good thing they did because he was a huge part of that defense. And he's so versatile too. He can play outside and he can come inside on those third downs. So Eric Armstead, he's going to shop the market, going to make at least $15, $16 million next year. I don't know how the 49ers are going to be able to keep him. But it'd be great to keep him just to keep that D-line intact for another season with D Ford, you know, his contract, the way his contract's set up to keep that goal rush going for another season would be fantastic. But it's going to be tough. It's going to take some serious manipulating of the of the salary cap to keep a guy like Eric Armstead. But, you know, he's in a great position right now. He's got a lot of leverage. And it's going to be important to try to keep that defense, at least, as it is, or as many guys to stay on that defense. I know Quan Alexander is another guy. I mean, he's important to the whole mix, and, and all those guys are, and Jaquaski and, and Jimmy Ward. So but we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady. I mean, it's it's got to be about that defense. That's got to be that focus right now. Everyone should have that focus on the defense and how you keep it together. I think that the news cycle here is as far as it pertains to free agency and Eric Armstead and all that the 49ers are doing, we've been in this holding pattern that's created this tinder dry period for news because the new collective bargaining agreement is has still been up for vote and up for debate over the past several weeks. So nobody wants to pull the trigger on a big contract right now just because they're not sure exactly how things are going to look from the labor standpoint. But the deadline is later tonight, guys. The deadline is at 11.59 Eastern time for players to either vote yes or no on this new collective bargaining agreement. And assuming that they do vote yes, they all they need is a simple majority, a little bit over 50%, or th- th- that's what it will take for uh, this to be set for the next, what, 10, 11 years, over a decade in the NFL, and the new salary cap will be set for this next season, and then free agency will start right after that. I think that's when we're going to start to see real movement on the front of these big contracts. And obviously, the 49ers' biggest potential looming one uh, seems to be Eric Armstead. And Matt, you mentioned all the different opportunities. Because negotiations have probably been delayed a bit with this CBA ratification hanging in the balance, I think one possibility is also the tag and negotiate. Because the 49ers can put the franchise tag on Eric Armstead, and then they don't have to necessarily be planning on paying him that amount for next season if they can finalize a contract extension before the deadline. Obviously, that does give Eric Armstead some more negotiating power since it locks 2020 in at $19.3 million. But if there's an understanding between the 49ers and Armstead's representation that they just need more time to negotiate and they can give him more guaranteed money over the long period of time, that might be one of the options that they take. Right, and, and that's what uh, sort of this negotiations that they've had so far ostensibly would have set up. Because once they do tender him at that $19.3 million number, Armstead could sign it right away. And the 49ers need to be prepared in that instance that they don't reach a long-term deal. And they are on the hook for $19.3 million. And that is a huge chunk of change. And that would theoretically, I'm sure, kind of impinge on what else they can do. So it's a big question. Would they be able to keep him for one year for $19.3 million? I think Eric Armstead's already said that he's amenable to that. And why not? That's a huge amount of money. It's, it's more than double what he made last year. And I think Dennis was was right to bring up what we were talking about last year with him. Uh, it was, oh, do the 49ers keep Eric Armstead on the fifth-year option? Gee, I don't know. That's a that's a big chunk of change. That's, that's $9 million. He hasn't really done much to this point. 
Today, that looks like Trump change. That's a no-brainer looking back on it. But we have the uh, the ability to do that now. So I don't know. It, it's a great question. I don't know what the answer is. I would think that there would be teams interested in a, a cap and trade type of situation. Maybe the 49ers are as well. Because if you let Eric Armstead go on the open market, the best you're getting back is a late third round pick in the 2021 draft, which would be the, the compensatory pick that you get for Eric Armstead. So if it was a, a cap and trade type of situation, you probably are going to get at least a uh, an early third, probably a second rounder for him, just because he's such a, a versatile three-down player. But if you did lose him, Dennis, then all of a sudden your, your defensive line, which was really the the Rolls-Royce of your team this, this last season, uh, doesn't look as good as it used to. I mean, your starting four still looks good. Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, DJ Jones, D. Ford. But after that, your backups, uh, you don't have the, the numbers and you don't have a lot of, of great depth there. I think Solomon Thomas and Kevin Givens would be the only guys who are, are locks to come back. So without Eric Armstead, you're looking at having to rely on a lot of younger guys and unproven guys and, and really question marks on this defense. Yeah, and you know, you got young guys like Sheldon Day and you know, he's shown some flashes, but uh, we saw in the Super Bowl that he didn't play that well. So he's a guy that has to improve. And Solomon Thomas is a guy, I, I really believe Solomon Thomas is a guy that's ready to kind of explode like an Eric Armstead. I think he's he's kind of learning how to play the position a little bit. I think he's being a little more aggressive. I think he plays a lot better on the inside. He's got a fantastic get off. He's got quick hands. I think he is a talent waiting to explode, and I'm expecting big things from him next season. I'm, I'm sure the 49ers are expecting big things from him. But my question is, you talked about the CBA and, and the voting. Can you kind of bring the uh, the listeners, David or Matt, up to speed on what the big controversy is with the voting right now? Yeah, so some of the elder members of the Players Union, so Richard Sherman is obviously a vocal leader have come out and said that they weren't really happy about the concessions that the NFL made after the players are going to be forced to play a 17th game under this new CBA. So this is going to extend the NFL regular season by a game from 16 to 17. And the players wanted a little bit more from the NFL. I mean, this is going to get into a lot of legalistic stuff and a lot of financial stuff. But a lot of the older guys feel that, you know, they should be paid proportionately more for that 17th game, whereas the, the CBA, as proposed, is not quite ramping up the pay to that level. That being said, the minimum contracts across the board are going up significantly, so that's probably why it's going to get passed, because you look at the the majority of pl- all players that are voting on this now, a lot of those guys aren't making as much as a Richard Sherman. A lot of those guys are at the league minimum, And if you can make over $100,000 more right away just by passing this new CBA, that really helps, you know, in the short run for these guys. Whereas guys like Richard Sherman obviously are thinking more about the big picture, but I think there are just fewer of them. And now that this has moved from the council vote to the entire league vote where all the players have their say, I think it's just more likely 
that it does pass. But that's where the disagreement comes. I think that Richard Sherman has a great point. I think that the owners are still getting the best of the players as far as this labor negotiation is concerned. But that's just how the NFL has kind of been set up. It's uh, definitely been less player friendly as far as deals are concerned than Major League Baseball or the NBA. There is some progress here. There is some more money for the players, but Richard Sherman wants it to move closer to where the other leagues are. And this CBA, I don't think, uh, makes him too happy. But I think you have to look at the big picture to see where this voting is likely to go. And and I would be surprised if it didn't pass. Yeah, the big uh, issue is the 17th game. I mean, uh, people like Richard Sherman realize that it's a 17th game this year. The next time they negotiate the, the CBA, which will be in 10 years, assuming this passes, would uh, go to 18 games. And it's just a, a slippery slope. And um, you're, you're right. I mean, he's he's made enough money. He's able to look at the big picture and kind of see where this is heading. Uh, probably a, a lot of younger players don't quite have that ability to have that perspective. But I tend to agree with Sherman and those guys. That's a big deal. That's a whole other game that you're playing. And uh, we're supposed to be more conscious of health and safety. That doesn't seem to be jibing with that concern. And uh, I, I think that's why guys like uh, like Sherman, like Aaron Rodgers, like J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, a lot of those other guys are against it. And aren't they also talking about shortening the preseason? Right, but those guys aren't playing in the preseason much anyway, so anyway, it's, it's yeah. not quite an apples-to-apples apples, uh, comparison there. It's tough because the labor force in the NFL is so big, so you have opposite end of the extreme, right? You have the guys who have been around who are making a lot of money who have the luxury of being able to make sure this is fully fair. But then uh, in the NFL, maybe more than the other sports, you have the guys at the bottom of the barrel who are just trying to cling, scrape, get onto a roster, and every paycheck in that situation matters. And when the minimum paycheck relatively isn't that much money, I mean, right now it's only about $480,000, You think if a guy only gets that paycheck, you know, if he plays one season at that paycheck, that's not a life-changing amount of money. So to increase that just a little bit, which this new CBA would, that is tantalizing to a lot of these players who are just holding on at the bottom of the league. It's really hard for the NFLPA to represent the labor force because you have such, you know, disparate situations at the top and at the bottom of it. So it's going to be interesting. Again, the vote Thursday night. So tonight it's due at 11.59 Eastern time. Assuming that it does pass, I think that we do see things really, really start to speed up as far as re-signings of players that, uh, you know, whose contracts have expired. And that's Eric Armstead is a great example. And then free agency opens in earnest next week. So teams will really want to start moving. But as of right now, Matt, the, the implications are that this has just ground everything to a halt because a new CBA means new details as far as contracts go. It means uh, new details as far as salary cap space goes. And I don't think that either side of any potential contract wants to finalize anything, especially if it's a big contract before this document is completed. Yeah, and there's a fairly significant difference if it, if it passes or if it doesn't pass. If it doesn't pass, it means that we're now in the last year of the previous CBA, and that means that teams can essentially franchise not one but two players. I, I don't think the 49ers would do that, but it's a domino effect when you're talking about free agency and whatnot. If it does pass, it means that minimum salaries go up, and, and that affects everything. I, I'm not sure what it does to the the salary cap. I don't know if that's affected in any way, but suffice to say, both the teams and the the agents of these players are are waiting to see 
the fine print. They're waiting to see if it indeed passes because that will affect how they negotiate moving forward. So it's going to be a situation where nothing has happened, nothing has happened, nothing has happened for weeks now, and then boom, it's going to be an explosion of things happening, beginning with, I think, a lot of teams franchising their guys, and Eric Armstead might be one of them. Two other guys who are really interesting are Emmanuel Sanders and Jimmy Ward, and it seems, and this is a lot of tea leaf reading, but it seems as if the 49ers are going to allow those guys to get to the open market. They're both unrestricted free agents and uh, and basically see what the market brings for those players. There is some sense that given how deep the draft is at wide receiver, that it might be a soft year for that position group. And uh, maybe Emmanuel Sanders is out there for a week and doesn't get a huge deal and he comes back and he plays for the 49ers. But that's what I think the 49ers are hoping happens. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But losing Ward and Sanders would be big blows. You can't argue that the 49ers are as good to start out the 2020 offseason, at least, than they were to end the 2019 season if that occurs. And you think about a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, you look at their receiving crew, how much better they got as soon as he arrived. And you yeah. look at Debo. Debo became a outstanding NFL receiver after Emmanuel got there. So that's got to be top of the list also with everything else. Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, what he did, you know, what he did this season, staying healthy for an entire football season, how much he helped out that defense. So how do you keep these guys? I mean, how do you get more money? I mean, Marquise Goodwin, do you try to, you know, see if there's some money there or or a Jarek McKenna? I mean, I know he's got a big contract. Do you try to find money there? Uh, and try to keep some of these important guys on your football team? It's full of very difficult questions, and I think that's why franchise-tagging Eric Armstead is the path that, if he signs that franchise tag, as Matt said, is the path that blows everything up because the 49ers just do not have the salary cap room to pay somebody $19.3 million and take the entirety of that cap hit this year and then do all the other business that's on the table for them in this offseason. Remember, it's not just these free agents that they could potentially sign. It's also the draft class. And I know they don't have a lot of draft picks. The draft class will be cheaper than in years before, but you still have to set aside at least $5 million for that. And right now, the team has $13 million in salary cap space. There might be a slight increase depending on some of the mechanics of the CBA. They announced the amount of salary cap room right before the start of free agency every year. So we're going to wait on that number to see what the NFL says. But either way, you've got $13 million in space right now. Something like tagging Armstead would cost $19 million. So immediately you see, oh boy, I mean, the numbers really aren't adding up. So the way that the 49ers can move forward is by structuring deals, especially the new ones that they uh, give out here, to take less of a cap hit in this coming year, in 2020, and have a bigger cap hit down the road when the salary cap will almost certainly continue growing. That's how you stay ahead of this. Ultimately, you're going to have to cut some guys, whether it be in 2021 or 2022. But for now, the 49ers can keep running ahead of the tidal wave. They can keep trying to escape it by doing things like that, which is why I think the DeForest Buckner deal, theoretically lessen his cap hit for 2020, is very important. Why an Armstead long-term deal could be very important because they could also move more of that cap hit back. And then when you talk about guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Jimmy Ward, they may be the casualties this year. But as Matt said, the market might be dictated by the fact that the receivers are very strong in this draft. And that might mean that Emmanuel Sanders at age 32 
is going to have to come back to the 49ers for less money a little bit later. And Matt, to be honest, when you look at the numbers, the 49ers are going to have to get some discounts here. We said that from the very start. Emmanuel Sanders cannot be a $10 million a year guy for the 49ers in 2020. Maybe some other team pays him that, but the 49ers can't. They're going to have to get him, I think, my number is 7 or $8 million. Well, I mean, you did the, the salary cap story a couple of weeks ago, and we'll just do a little bit of simple math here. And I'm doing this from, from uh, recollection, so jump in if, I, if I'm getting this wrong, but they've got $13 million in space to, to begin the, the 2020 season. And then if they do some stuff with, um, say, Marquise Goodwin, with Jarek McKinnon, if Buckner gets a, a new deal and it's actually a little less for 2020 at least, then uh, I, I think that you wrote that it's about you know 15 million in savings. So add those two numbers together and you're at at 38 million or so, which is which is a nice chunk. But then that Eric Armstead franchise tag, that's that's 19 million right there. So all of a sudden, you've just cut your your cushion in half, and you're still talking about some other guys that you need to sign, plus the draft class. The math at some point just doesn't add up. That makes me skeptical that even if uh, Eric Armstead does get signed to the franchise tag, whether it's not a a, a trade possibility coming down the pike. And and if that's the case, that means that they've already kind of talked to some of these teams and have uh, agreed on a on a, a a possible deal. So, it's going to be fun to watch and and my point that I want to stress to everybody is that as slow as it's been uh, over the last few weeks, there're going to be uh, a lot of deals firing off those first few days of of free agency, I think. And then um and then I think the 49ers will take a a wait and see approach. Uh I don't think that they're going to be aggressive about other teams' free agents. I think they'll they'll wait. They'll wait to see what happens with Ward and, and Sanders. And if they go elsewhere, then they'll wait some more and, and kind of start uh, bargain bin shopping and uh, kind of cobbling together some uh, replacements uh, for where they're suddenly lacking in depth. Yeah, and listening to you, Matt, do the numbers, it sounds like me trying to pay my bills. The math never adds up. So you, <laughs> you, I mean, you, you got to be creative. And, you know, I, I think back to Carmen Policy, the way he used to kind of manipulate the salary cap. It was a soft salary cap back then, but he was always able, you know, talking to guys, taking pay cuts, uh, you know, maybe getting a little more up front or at the end or incentives. And I think that's what the 49ers are going to have to do. They're just going to have to be really creative with this if they want to keep this team together. And I think as far as the core goes, I think they've got a great core to compete for championships for the next couple of years. But you got to keep some of these guys around. It's hard to do because of the free agency market. And, you know, as a football player, you want to get paid. And that's what it's about because it's such a small window in the NFL and you have this opportunity to make all this money. So you have to do it when you can. But it's it's going to be interesting, like you said. It's going to be exciting next couple of weeks. And it's going to be cool to see how the 49ers come out and how they get ready for the 2020 season. And I think Sheldon Day is even a free agent. So Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out that part of it too. So... There's a lot that comes into it, and and you just have to get creative with it. Well, they've started with the no-brainers. They have two different levels of restricted free agents. One is the standard restricted free agent. The other one is really an oxymoron. It's an exclusive rights free agent. Those are guys who only have three years of experience. We're usually undrafted free agents coming to the league. And what an exclusive rights free agent means is that by rule, they can't sign with anybody else but the team that tenders them. So it's not really a free agent, right? But they had a few of those guys and 
They tendered contracts to Dan Brunskill, the versatile lineman, to Ross Dwelly, the tight end, to Emmanuel Mosley, who ended the season as a starting cornerback, to Nick Mullins, who was the starting QB for most of 2018, and to uh, Jeff Wilson, who obviously had some big moments. So we've seen the 49ers do the no-brainers. They've extended the contract offers, which are usually minimum deals uh, for those respective players. And they're going to keep some important parts of their team that way. And they also have begun to uh, exercise some of the no-brainer options, Kyle Juszczyk and Kwan Williams. They had outs in their contract after this season, but the 49ers obviously want to keep their Pro Bowl fullback and their very, very good nickelback. So, uh, I mean, those are the kind of moves that the team has been able to make right now, CBA or no CBA. Those are ones you obviously proceed with, but it's the big ones that are going to come in an avalanche. And that's what Matt has warned us about. And that's what we're ready for next week. That's when this is all going to start to get going. So in case things have been a little too slow for you, in case you're not buying into any of the Tom Brady talk or the Kirk Cousins talk, I mean, let's mention that too, the Kirk Cousins talk. That's how dry this has gotten, Matt. Kirk Cousins still under contract for another year with the Minnesota Vikings. So there's no chance that Kirk Cousins is uh, going to reunite with Kyle Shanahan this season. But because there's so little to talk about and because the Brady stuff got old after a few days, it all shifted to Kirk Cousins reuniting Kyle Shanahan, even though that's literally not possible for another year. And and our biggest data point to evaluate whether or not Kyle Shanahan will want to move on is going to be the 2020 season. We can't have an honest discussion about Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins yet. It's just not possible because we don't have that sample size from Jimmy Garoppolo yet. It's been fuel for so much fodder already this offseason. And I, I guess that is just a sign of, uh, of where we are right now as far as where boredom has taken us because there's no new CBA yet. Yeah, that man crush that Shanahan has on Kirk Cousins just won't just won't go away, and that uh, that that's what's sort of fueled this. And and yeah, I think that's a legitimate question at this time next year. And as you say, we'll have all the the data at that point to answer it better. But boy, the last time I saw Kirk Cousins, he didn't look all that hot to me. Uh, he was at at uh, Levi Stadium, and boy. Talk about having a lousy last game of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo looked a lot better in his last game of the year than, than Kirk Cousins did in his. So you're right. I mean, there's really little to kind of fuel this at this point. I think it w- would be a legitimate question 365 days from now. But uh, uh, at, at this point, just a, just a tad premature. There's one camp of people that looks only at a quarterback's record. And then there's the, all the advanced stats guys that are on the other side that think that the record doesn't matter at all. And you know, all that matters are all the fancy numbers. I personally think that both are important, right? I, I think that it, Kirk Cousins is one of these guys that scores really well in all the advanced metrics. So all the stats guys are like, oh, of course, every team would want Kirk Cousins. But he's something like, what, 0-9 on Monday Night Football in big games. And, and obviously, we saw him play in the playoffs. And it's just like, yuck. You know, you look at some of his performances in big games, and we saw it at Levi Stadium. That's one of those that I think you you want to stay away from. So when you balance those two variables, you know, Kirk Cousins doesn't look too attractive to me. Jimmy Garoppolo obviously has the great record. Jimmy Garoppolo was what, 21 and 5 or whatever it is as the 41 as the 49er starter, and he also has plus advanced numbers. They they're in the top 10. So I think that 49ers fans who are waffling on their quarterback or, you know, this and that Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins be thankful for what you have. You've got a guy that is satisfying both camps, the advanced numbers camp 
and the win-loss camp, yet for some reason Garoppolo finds himself in the middle with people calling for him to be replaced. But it's just interesting to me that numerically, statistically, from both the wins perspective and from the numbers perspective, Dennis, Jimmy Garoppolo has been performing well, yet we still hear all of this chatter and I guess it's just because people are bored. Yeah, and I, I think people still have that hangover from the Super Bowl, too, and also the playoffs. And you hear all these things about Kyle Shanahan has lost confidence in his quarterback. But if you got a good run game, you're going to run the football. And I think it's just people just still looking at that Super Bowl and looking at that missed throw in, in the fourth quarter. But the bottom line is that players make plays. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that makes plays. I think a guy like Kirk Cousins, you see him, you know what he's about, you put pressure on him he's going to struggle and I think Jimmy has shown in, in many games that he can lead the offense and he can put the offense in positions to be successful so you know numbers are numbers but I, I look at the play on the field and, and I think players make plays and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy who can make plays. I think David hit the nail on the head when he said be thankful for what you have there's <laughs> with uh, NFL fans and their quarterbacks there's always a grass is greener on the other side of the fence phenomenon going on. And and I think some of the some of the teams probably suffer from that too. You are acutely aware of your guy's shortcomings and you always think that the uh the other team's guy is better, but that's rarely the case and I think that's where the 49ers are. You've got a guy coming off an ACL who drove your team to the Super Bowl and that was his first year as an NFL quarterback. It's, it's only going to get better. For Jimmy Garoppolo from here on out, and I think that's what the what the 49ers are banking on, and that's the bottom line. My favorite number is that Jimmy Garoppolo has 825 career pass attempts. Steve Young had 837 career pass attempts entering his first full season as starter for the 49ers in 1991. And, you know, nobody's saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to become Steve Young. I mean, for all we know, he might have a better career than Steve Young. He might end up with two or three Super Bowls. Nobody's saying he's going to win one. But what we are saying is that the sample size is way too small to know definitively either way. I think that there is a mistake regarding analysis of Garoppolo that's rooted in the fact that he's been in the league for quite some time. But the fact is that he's been a backup in the league and live reps are everything in the NFL. So even though he's 28 going on 29 years old, he needs those snaps, he needs those passes, and we need those snaps and we need those passes to be able to evaluate him. And the 49ers designed his contract to be a five-year deal with a a ripcord after two seasons, right? Because they knew that they needed two full seasons of Garoppolo evaluation as him starting for those two years so they can make a firm decision on what happened. The problem is that he tore his ACL in 2018. So now we only have one full season under our belts, yet we've hit that part of the contract where the 49ers can get out of it with minimal damage. But they still need that second season to evaluate things. And Matt's right. The fact that he did lead them to the Super Bowl, that he did score very positively in all the advanced stats this past year, um, has at least bought him the chance to to, to execute that second season without uh, being jettisoned by the 49ers right now. And I think that it's as simple as that for Jimmy Garoppolo. You just need more time to figure out just how good this guy will be. And I really do think that after this season, assuming it plays at all healthy, we won't be able to say small sample size anymore. I think we'll have enough after 2020 to make a firm judgment on Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Yeah, and, and the one thing that I got out of that is Jimmy Garoppolo will be 29 years old. Tom Brady, what, 42 years old, 43 years old when the season starts? He'll be 43 next year, yeah. Yeah, to think about that, I mean, that's enough right there, I think, to, to end the rumors. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but you're going to get how many years out of him? Maybe one year, then you're back to, to square one. So I don't think that's where the 49ers want to go. Hey, 43 exactly. is the new 39, Dennis. You could do a lot at age 43 these days. <laughs> not, but not much in the NFL, though. <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> and the Patriots 2019 season, if you watch the film, I watched every single game. I had a lot of time on my hands this offseason. So I went back and I watched the Patriots. And because what I saw were, were Brady's numbers were ugly this year. You know, it, it wasn't pretty. This was below average by any metric, even if you isolated his play from the fact that he didn't have good receivers. So I just wanted to make sure that my eyes weren't lying to me. So I went back and and I watched, and God, the, I mean, when I last watched Brady extensively, what was back when the, the Patriots won that Super Bowl in, in 17, and he obviously turned it up, or yeah, it was January 2017, he turned it up at the end of the season. It was a defense-dominated Super Bowl when the Patriots beat the Rams the following year. But when Brady turned it up to beat Shanahan and the Falcons, he had some mobility there to get away or step away from the Falcons pass rush. And he was accurate on his throws downfield. But th- that was just not the case in 2019. The guy has lost a lot of mobility. That extra step isn't there. You know, he was never fast, but he was a little bit elusive. And because of that, the accuracy has suffered. So I think that age is a real thing. And Tom Brady defied it for a long time. But it's not a knock against him to say that he is nowhere near the player that he was at 38, 39 even, right now at, at, at age 43. And, and I think that's the overarching argument there. And, and the 49ers still have Jimmy Garoppolo's best years in front of him, and I think that's important to remember. Yeah, the only counter-argument I'll make to that is that, if you'll remember Peyton Manning being assigned as a free agent by the Broncos back in 2012, I think it was, and he was just a shadow of himself those last few years of his career. Probably the the worst armor in the league by the end of it there. I mean, a lot of balls just kind of floating, especially when he first took over. And he's coming off of those those neck injuries. That's why the arm strength was, was uh, dubious at that point. And he still went to two Super Bowls and he won one. So there's something to be said for a great quarterback whose physical skills are certainly diminishing, but he's still that same great quarterback. His mind is the same. His mind is probably even better just because of his experience. And, and that, that's sort of the question, I think, anybody who's in a, a pro-Brady camp is interested in. This guy has done it. He knows what it takes. And he certainly could guide a, uh, a very good team to a Super Bowl win. It would have to be a really, really good team around him. And, uh, you know, frankly, that's what the 49ers have. But I'm not, uh, this isn't a pro-Brady argument. I'm just uh, kind of throwing that out there as a interesting uh, allegory to this. Uh, there you go. Now, now the rumor's fired up again. It's, <laughs> See, I wanted, I, I wanted to fan the flames here. Who are the Broncos replacing? I don't even remember. They definitely weren't re- replacing an arguably top 10 guy. Oh, no. To bring no, in Peyton Manning. That, that's the thing. It, it, and they weren't already in the Super Bowl before, which is what makes this crazy, you know. The argument for Brady is a nostalgic one. It's based on the fact that the guy has a ton of rings and maybe has a little bit more in the tank to game manage the 49ers to the Super Bowl. But, you know, I, I really don't think that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are looking at it that way. I think that they see Jimmy Garoppolo as a guy who has won them over. 
And in case 2020 goes kaput, in case things go way south, then yeah, reopen the Kirk Cousins rumors because Kyle Shanahan obviously enjoyed working with him back in the past in Washington. But that's still a year away. And Garoppolo's on an upward trend right now. If that upward trend continues, it's a complete moot point next year. And we can't answer that question until next year happens. So, guys, I just can't wait for next season to happen. That's, that, <laughs> let's fast that's what forward, I'm saying right yeah. now. Yeah, let's fast forward. Let's figure it out then. Well, we got to get excited about the draft, too, and see if the 49ers actually you know, use that pick or they use it to trade to maybe get – some second and third round picks. So it, it's going to be an exciting offseason still here to come. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll talk more about the draft. We'll have a dedicated episode for that as it comes up. Obviously, the draft for the 49ers isn't quite as pivotal this year just because they have so many fewer picks. The first one is down at number 31. So previewing it also is a little bit of a fool's errand because nobody can project what's going to happen at number 31. I mean, back when the Niners were top five picks there and two of the three years that Shanahan and Lynch were in charge, you could talk about Nick Bosa, you know, you could talk about where Solomon Thomas might go, but you can't really talk about that at number 31. So we'll talk about the draft later, but it definitely won't be as accurate as it was over the last few years. Anyway, for Dennis Brown and for Matt Barrows, we uh, enjoyed talking to you guys here to break up the offseason a little bit. And the next time we chat with you, we promise there will be a lot more tangible stuff going on. This is David Lombardi signing off of the Here's the Catch podcast.